Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. like to join with me in your Bible, our text today is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. Here we you now the words of the Lord. So then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. It's just as simple as that. So then a Sabbath rest remains for the people of God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, speak to us today. Speak to us in such a way that our very lives might be transformed by your words, that we would walk closer to you and leave this place transformed. Not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So in 1991, Michael Jordan, the basketball great, was beginning his meteoric rise in the NBA. He had just won his second NBA MVP of the Year award. He had just led the Bulls to their first national championship with the NBA. Everything was going great for him. He was signing endorsement deals with McDonald's, with General Mills, and of course, with Nike. Nike had just released the Air Jordan 5, so things were going great for Michael Jordan. At the same time this was happening, there was a little beverage company that was sort of working in the southeast that really wanted to become a national brand in sports beverages. The company was called Gatorade. And they decided as they watched Michael Jordan's career take off, they said, you know, if we could hitch our market our stars, our wagon to Michael Jordan, if he takes off, then we will take off. And so they did just that. They signed that endorsement deal with Michael Jordan. And the first ad was an ad entitled, Be Like Mike. And so what you have to imagine here is there's images of Michael Jordan. He's playing basketball, shooting with, you know, like his patented, shooting with his tongue out, dribbling, trading back and forth. And the whole time in the background, there's a song, be like Mike, be like Mike. I mean, yeah, I'm singing it terribly. Let's be really clear. Be like Mike. I sound like a really bad soprano, and I'm sorry for that. You all are much better. Um, but anyway, he's, this is all going on. And of course, in all these images, he's shooting, he's doing all the great things. He's joking with his friends, drinking lots of Gatorade. Everything's great, but also in these images are children imitating Michael Jordan. They're trying to dribble, they're trying to shoot with their tongue out just like he does. They've lowered their goals, they're trying to do the big monster jams like what Michael Jordan does. And then the ad ends simply with this, a black screen with white text. And the text says this, be like Mike, drink Gatorade. I mean, not at all subtle. I mean, if you want to be great like Michael Jordan, if I would just drink enough Gatorade, I too could make it to the NBA until you saw me dribble. But that's another story. But there's this message, though. It's interesting. Be like Mike. And so then the camera turns to us here in the 21st century, 30-some years later. And it turns to us, and here's where we are. 
we know that our calling is to be disciples of Jesus Christ. To be disciples of Jesus Christ. That is, to be a follower. And there's sort of a duality with this idea of following. To be a disciple, to be a follower means to go where Jesus went, but also means to do as Jesus did. This idea of following Jesus is not just a thing. It's not just a fad. It's as Thomas Akempis writes, it's about a life, it's about living a life that approximates the life of Christ. It's the imitation of Christ. And so this is the first Sunday of Lent. We've entered a season of 40 days and the Sundays included in that period from Ash Wednesday all the way up to Easter, which is March 31st. 40 days in which we are to realize our brokenness where we have fallen short, where we have failed to follow the love of God. And but not only do we realize our shortcomings, but for us to repent of our mistakes and to try to lead a new life. But it's also a season for us to be drawn closer to God, how we can be better disciples, better followers in going where Jesus went, but also in walking how Jesus walks. And so this Lenten season, we're going to focus on this whole idea of being better disciples, of being like Jesus. What practices can we adopt? What behaviors can we learn from Jesus? What of these things might draw us closer so that we can just be like Jesus? So we turn to our text today, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, and it reminds us that Sabbath rest remains essential for the people of God. Now, a little bit of context, we've kind of got to understand what Sabbath is. So we're going to wind the clock back well past 1991, well past the 20th century. We're going to go back into the era where God said, let there be light. We're going to do the beginning. We're going to go back to Genesis. So in Genesis 2-2, it records that after God has created all of the world in six days and all of the stuff that's in it, including us, humanity, it says in Genesis 2, chapter 2, verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished his work that he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, God rested from God's work, and then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because God rested from the work of creating that he had done. So we had this first instance of this idea of a Sabbath, of a holy day. But then we're going to wind the clock a little bit forward. We're going to go to the Israelites. They're wandering around in, uh, they're wandering around throughout the wilderness. They've left Egypt following Moses, who's following the cloud of smoke and the pillar of fire that's going to lead them to the promised land. Moses goes up to the mountaintop and he gets those tablets, those Ten Commandments, these ten simple ways to order the life of the community provide some structure. The first three talk about how we order our lives in relation to God, and the other seven, how we order our lives in relation to each other, and how if we would just get back to those and the concepts behind them, that maybe we could understand truly what it means to love God and to love our neighbor. But there we have it in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Moses looks at these Ten Commandments, and there is on there the third commandment, and it says these words. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, 
nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreign any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and that all is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day, and made it holy. So we hear about Sabbath in the Old Testament, but we know as we carry into the New Testament that Jesus talks about Sabbath. Jesus practices Sabbath. And then we hear in the letters of Paul the encouragement, as we heard today, to practice Sabbath. So that's the roots of this, the theological understanding of it. But then how do we reconcile that with today? With 21st century life, where the world seems super busy, where Sunday has become just another day in the week. I mean, there's travel ball, there's shopping, there's there's stores to go to, there's business meetings, there's schools that are offering not only events on Sunday afternoons, but sometimes required group work. So even our students don't get a break from homework and schoolwork on Sundays. But it's only when we decide on a day like today, you know what would be great for lunch today? A chicken sandwich with waffle fries. Now that would be great. And so we go wheeling into our favorite chicken sandwich restaurant, and I'm not talking about Popeyes. And I'm not talking about Bojangles. I'm talking about the one that sounds like Chick-fil-A. I'm talking about that one. And we go wheeling in there, and all of a sudden, it's not open. And we're like, oh my gosh, today is Sunday. Sabbath. And then in those moments, some of you will remember the blue laws. You know, the laws that the government put in place to sort of structure what we could and couldn't do on Sunday. And to some degree, those have all been wiped out. But to some degree, there's still vestiges of pieces of blue laws that still exist in our state. And in other states, and even in other countries. And it's those moments when we try to get a chicken sandwich on a day that the Chick-fil-A is closed, or remember the blue laws, that we're reminded as Christians, that Sunday is the Sabbath. It reminded that Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to rest, to stop, to pull away, if you will, from the world. So our quest to be like Jesus this Lenten season, it's got to start with this idea of recovering the practice and the observance of Sabbath. And we do this by stopping and resting. We do this by delighting in the blessings of God. And we do this through worship. These three things. And when we practice these three things together, we begin to recover and rediscover and really lean into this idea of Sabbath living. But more importantly, we do this walking in the footsteps of Christ. Doing as Jesus did, being like Jesus. Now, for me, the beauty of Sabbath rest is in the stopping of itself. I mean, we understand the roots of this idea of stopping and resting. Six days, God created the world, and then God said, it was good, and I'll take a rest, and it was good. But there's a rhythm to this. There's a rhythm to six days of work and resting a seventh. I mean, let me tell you what's going to happen. You try this with me if you want to. It's a terrible experiment, but if you don't believe me, try it. Work 14 days straight. Work 14 days straight. Don't take Sabbath. Don't observe Sabbath. Let me tell you what that's going to look like. 
It's going to look like burnout, exhaustion. And while you think you might be more productive if you just keep working, I've got a long list and if I can just keep at it, I will get it done. Let me tell you what, people are just going to keep adding stuff to that list. And your productivity levels are going to rise at first and then drop off. It's a rhythm of life. It's built into creation. We need Sabbath rest. When we take that break, we take that Sabbath rest, we are aligning our lives in a biblically created, theologically sound principle that existed at the dawn of time that was given to us by God. And if we look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus practices this. Jesus steps away, takes that rest we see this after the feeding of the 5,000. He's been teaching for a couple of days. He's been teaching the disciples and the people that hear him. And 5,000 people are around and he feeds them all. And then the text in Matthew records this. It says, after he dismissed them, meaning the crowd, and then he puts the disciples in a boat and says, go to the other side of the shore, the Sea of Galilee, and I will meet you there. But it says he dismisses the disciples and he puts them in the boat and then he went up uh, to the top of the mountain by himself to pray. He did the same thing after his baptism by John. He comes up out of the water after being anointed by water and the Spirit and he goes into the wilderness. He goes off to pray. Now he does this for a season of 40 days. This is the roots of Lent but it's a Sabbath, if you will. He pulls back. He rests. He stops. But there's more to it than just rest. This is not like a long afternoon nap or anything like that. There's more to Sabbath because as Ruth Haley Barton says, when we pull back, when we dial into that sacred rhythm of Sabbath, what we're really doing when we stop and rest is we're introducing solitude into our lives. And when we introduce this idea of solitude in our lives, what we're really doing is we're allowing space for God. Now think about this. All the busyness of our lives, all the things that we like to do, all the things we have to do, all the things that we feel like we should do or the world tells us we need to do, but when we pull back, when we practice Sabbath, Shabbat, when we pull away and we rest, We have solitude. And in solitude, we make space for God. And in making space for God, what it really means is that we have our, we give God our full attention. See, it's in the silence that we quiet all the inner chatter in our minds, all the chattering monkeys. No more we listen to all the echoes of words that people have said to us this week. We've silenced our inner critic. We've lowered our stress. We've ignored the anxiety and we're finally able to listen to God. In that moment, what we begin to realize is that most of us are more than just physically tired. We are tired to our core at our souls from the week before. And so it's in the solitude and that Sabbath rest that we find a place of rest in God. So for us, being like Jesus is Sabbath rest today and every Sunday. Today and every Sunday, and we do that where we seek this idea of solitude and we ask ourselves, what can you leave until tomorrow so that you can rest today? 
Physically, yes. But spiritually, yes. The Sabbath is more than just rest, though. It's also about delight. Because remember, Sabbath was what God instituted on the seventh day after he looked back at all of the good work done at creation. It's finishing God looked back and he marvels at it all and he delights in it. So this idea of Sabbath rest is about delighting in the gifts and the blessings of God. I mean, Jesus liked the rest too, but Jesus liked spending time with his disciples where they were Sabbathing together in community. They were enjoying each other's company. They were delighting in the blessings of God. It talks about the story where Jesus and the disciples are one day walking along the road. They're having just a, a good Sabbath. And they're a little hungry, so they wander out into a field, and they pick just a little bit of grain for a snack, if you will. Some of the Pharisees see this and want to fuss at them because they define that even that little act of picking grain is work, and work is forbidden on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, we are picking grain, but we're picking grain because we enjoy each other's company to celebrate the Sabbath together. See, Sabbath is like a jubilee. It's like a celebration in the middle of the week, or at the beginning of the week, I should say. It's a celebration in the middle of all the busyness of life that we pause and celebrate what God has given to us. This idea of abundant living that we've been talking about earlier this year. It's in that moment that in Sabbath we see the true blessings of God that we might miss if we didn't stop and practice Shabbat. See, these jubilees, there's celebrations in which there's joy, there's laughter, there's a sense of being together. That's why every Sunday after uh, we gotta give the benediction before I go out the door, I say, before you leave, turn and greet your neighbor. Tell them how glad you are to be in worship with them. That's part of Sabbath. It's the delight in each other's company and delight in our shared experience. The conversations that we have on our Sabbath and youth group and choir and our pews and Sunday schools, they are different than any other conversation you will have in the grocery store. I promise you. Think about the conversations you have in this place on this day. Do you have those conversations honestly in the canned good aisles at the grocery store? Chances are no. If you even talk to your neighbors, it's probably just a simple hello, good to see you, oh, you're shopping too, and we go on about business. But here we stop and delight in each other's company. We delight in God. We delight in what God has given us. We delight in our mutual affection of God and our worship of God. And that's the final component of Sabbath, this idea of worship. We've stopped We've made space for God. We've delighted in God's presence and each other's presence. But the final component of recovering and discovering Sabbath is this idea of worship. Remember, Sabbath is a holy day set apart for God. The Gospel of Luke, we read the story where it says, Jesus, he begins his ministry, he says, he went to the temple as was his custom. And I love the fact that the writer of Luke puts this here. It's as if to remind us that this is not just something you practice kind of hit or miss very haphazardly, but Jesus went as was his custom. And he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release of the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set it free the oppressed, to proclaim that the year of the Lord had come. 
meaning the prophecy of Isaiah has come true. Now we know the rest of the story because we know that the one reading that scripture, the one that's practicing Sabbath and modeling it for us, is the chosen one. But he reads this and all the people are amazed and then Jesus says the scripture has been fulfilled today. Meaning here in worship, this has come true. Because what happens in worship is that the spirit of worship, what we experience in this place should be the fuel that drives everything that we do through the week. That our work, Monday through Saturday, should be reflections of what we receive, what we hear, what we experience in this place. That our work becomes acts of worship rooted in the worship in this place. Because here we come together to worship, to praise God for what we've been given, to confess our shortcomings, to receive our pardon, to give thanks, and to ask God's guidance. But it's in this place that we're reminded that worship is not about us. We're not worshiping us, we're worshiping God who creates us, who loves us, who cares for us. And so Sabbath worship, It's about coming and being with God, about praising God with no pretension, no ego, with no hubris, but with sheer humility, because we've looked back at the six days and realized what God has done for us, and we come to give thanks. So friends, the world is a very busy place. You don't need me to tell you that, you just need to look at your phone, to look at your calendar, the list that you've been scribbling on all Saturday and Sunday morning about what's got to happen this next week. But we have a calling. We have a calling to follow Jesus. We have a calling to figure out what it means and to realize that we can be like Jesus if we just do as Jesus did. If we walk in his footsteps. And it starts with Sabbath. Sabbath. It starts every Sunday. So here's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you during the season of Lent, starting today all the way up through March 31. And in parentheses, we'll talk about everything beyond Easter, but let's be really clear, I mean beyond Easter too. But I want you to start with this. Every Sunday between now and Easter, I want us to be in worship together. I want us to practice Sabbath together, to stop and rest, to delight in what God has given us, to come and to worship God together for what God has done for us. Friends, I think if we recover that idea of Sabbath, we will know how truly blessed we are. And we will learn what it means to be like Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.